Welcome everyone to Super Nintendo Podcast, your source for all things Nintendo. I am Eric, aka Sulior, and today we are going to be covering another one of those things that was released in Japan, but never really made it outside of there, and that is the N64 Double D add-on system. But uh, before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news. So there was a an indie showcase fairly recently with the uh, Nintendo. There was a Nintendo Direct that did have some indie games that were highlighted. So um, I'm going to you can probably find the show uh, the video for that on YouTube. Uh, so just uh, check that out. Um, there is another rumor about a Nintendo Switch, uh, a new version of the Nintendo Switch. Um, I don't know where these people get their information, but there is a, uh, oh my god, uh, an article that I found uh, about this. So let me uh, get into this article real quick here and we'll discuss it, uh, at least what they're saying. Yes, Yoda, I hear you. So this is a Tom's Guide article and they're saying that the new Nintendo Switch could be coming in 2024. So this apparently was a data mine or something like that by Piers Harding Rolls of Ampere Analysts. So this was flagged by Games Video Games Chronicle. And they're saying a new next generation console could be ready in a couple years time. So whether this is a Nintendo Switch 2 or another model of it, um, who knows. I don't put too much stock into these. Um, everybody was going on for how long about a Switch Pro? Hell, people are still going on about a Switch Pro, about how it's coming. It's coming. Be ready. And where? <laughs> but I mean, that's just me. I've call me a skeptic, but that's you know what? I guess you know I I don't really believe that some that sort of thing unless there is hard evidence and I've never seen that so anyway like I said that's just me um, so on the other side of this apparently the 3ds and Wii U eShops are on their way out and that the beginnings of this is happening as we speak so uh, starting May 23rd the first stages of this shutdown are starting and w basically they're making it to where you can't add any more money to your virtual wallet which is really sad um i mean i had a 3ds for a long long time and i miss it i unfortunately don't have it anymore but I, the, the wii u i understand 3ds not so much because, I mean, it, it's still a viable system. I mean, the Wii U, yes, um, it is too, I guess, to an extent. But the 3DS, 
wasn't really replaced. Like there isn't like a next gen 3DS unless you count the Switch. So I, I think this is sad news. Um, I'm not really, I don't think it should happen, but you know, I, maybe they're just not making any more money from it. I don't know. Um, let's see. The um, Kirby 64 and Mario Golf games have been added to the N64 library on the Switch. Um, I have not played either one of these, but uh, I love the Mario sports games, and I'll definitely check out the Kirby game. So um, that's uh, good news. They're still adding more and more to that, making it more and more valuable. So uh, speaking of data mines, I was uh, mentioning a data mine earlier. There's been another data mine into the multiverses game that I talked about a while back. It's the, the Warner Brothers uh, version of Super Smash Brothers. And this is fun. So this is going to be released later this year. I don't have an exact date in front of me, but apparently it's been data mined and they are even there there's it looks like there's characters that haven't even been announced yet that could be released later on as DLC. This is uh, like characters like Rick from Rick and Morty, um, characters from uh, let's see what do we got here Marvin the Martian, we've got Legolas from Lord of the Rings. We've got Black Adam, we've got Daenerys Targaryen, we've got the Joker. So there's also a reference to LeBron James. So um, we know if, if you've seen the newer Space Jam movie, Space Jam A New Legacy, you'll know that Warner Brothers' uh, license on characters is very far-reaching. So this could be really, really interesting, just seeing who exactly they bring to this game. I mean, we already know they've got a Game of Thrones character that they've already said is going to be in the game. That's Arya Stark. But <laughs> seeing Daenerys in there and seeing if she, like, she probably has some attacks with her dragons. That sounds like a good time. So I am very, I'm looking forward to this game very much. Um, another thing is, uh, this is another uh, data mine type thing, but it looks like... Uh, Skyrim could be getting a 10th anniversary release on the Switch. I don't know exactly how they're going to do this. Um, unless it just doesn't have access to the... I mean, because the way it works on console is you have access to the Creation Club content. And it gives you all of the Creation Club uh, DLC or add-ons. I guess they're not technically DLC, they're mods. So this might give you access to Bethesda.net. I'm not exactly sure how they would go about doing that, but I hope it's true. Um, because I, I felt like Nintendo was kind of shafted when it came to... Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice having vanilla Skyrim with the DLC, but... It would be really cool if you could have access to the Creation Club content. And who knows, maybe this could lead to Fallout 4's release on the Nintendo Switch. Because, I mean, Fallout 4 on consoles has access to the Creation Club also. So, who knows? But 
I think it would be really cool if that were the case. It could just, I mean, if the, if Skyrim, uh, the anniversary edition of Skyrim came to the Switch, that very well could be good news for Fallout fans as well, myself included. So, anyway, um, let's see what else I got here. Um, the Pokemon Home app has added support for Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, and Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, the last episode I said it looked like that was on the way. That was in fact the case. And I have already taken advantage of this, so I'll talk about that when I get into my gameplay. But as I mentioned earlier, it looked like you were going to get the starters for both of those games. But there was a little bit of a hiccup, maybe not so much hiccup, but a little bit of a catch with that. So this, the starters for both of those sets of games are added to the mobile version of Pokemon Home. So it didn't directly add it to the Switch version of Pokemon Home, but it added it to the mobile version so you have to have the mobile version of pokemon home and you get them as gifts now link that to your nintendo account and they show up on the switch version and you can add them to those games so yeah i added uh well the yeah the, both of those sets of starters i added those to their respective games um I, I understand that they're probably getting people to try the mobile version also, but I find the mobile version of it a little lacking. The only reason why you would really want the mobile version of Pokemon Home is to connect it to Pokemon Go. However, with Pokemon Go, you can't add Pokemon from Pokemon Home to Pokemon Go. You can only send Pokemon from Pokemon Go to the mobile version of Home. That kind of sucks because the Pokemon Go, like, it, certain Pokemon that you find in the wild on Pokemon Go are region locked. So with me being in North America, I can't find Mr. Mime along with some other games, but, or some other Pokemon, but that's just one example. So, how am I supposed to get Mr. Mime in Pokemon Go unless I travel out of the country to, say, UK, Australia, somewhere like that, Europe, somewhere like France or something like that? I have no way. I'm not going to just pick up and make a trip to France or you know, Australia or somewhere like that, just to catch a freaking Mr. Mime. So why not allow people to have access to, like have the ability to send a Pokemon to Pokemon Go in Pokemon Home? I know there's probably more to this than I know. So they probably like, it, that would be something that Niantic would probably have to incorporate into the game but it's just kind of frustrating because you know I, I understand they want people to travel they want people to go see places they haven't they wouldn't normally go find but it just kind of handicaps the 
mobile version of Pokemon Home. That's the only reason why I would want the mobile version of Pokemon Home, and, you know, I, I can't do that. So, I don't know. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it just... They're pro like, the fact that uh, Pokemon Home, you know, you get those Pokemon as mystery gifts in the... Specifically in the mobile version of Pokemon Home is probably just trying to make people more... Make people try and use it a little bit, but... I deleted it. Like, there's no point in me having it for any other reason. Anyway, um... Sorry to go on a little bit of a rant there, but it is what it is. Um... Unfortunately, KDB is busy right now. He wasn't able to send me anything in this episode. Hopefully, um, we can uh, hear from him in the next episode. So, let's go ahead and get into my gameplay. So, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I did play uh, Brilliant Diamond. I finished that. Well, I, I guess I should say finish, but I beat the, the Pokemon League in Brilliant Diamond. So I had a really good Venusaur in Pokemon Home. So I uh, used that and did really, really well. Um, it <laughs> it was the second uh, Elite Four member, I think her name is Bertha, that had all ground types. So unfortunately I chose Piplup as my starter. Um, I'd recommend probably getting Turtwig um, if I were to make that choice again with Turtwig, Turtwig being a grass type. Um, so with you, with me choosing Piplup, Piplup was also part ice type, which was vulnerable to ground attacks. And if you choose, um, is it Mankey? Not Mankey. Um, Chimchar. I'm sorry. Um, Chimchar turns into a fire fighting type, which of course is also uh, vulnerable to ground type attacks like Earthquake. So like I said, I recommend if I were to go back and start over again, I would probably choose Turtwig. So um, yeah, but yeah, I beat the Elite Four and then you have to face the champion Cynthia and then you get sent to an island where you can participate in multiplayer battles. So uh, I'm probably not going to really do that, but now I need to finish Pokemon Legends Arceus. So other than that, still been playing Street Fighter. I'm actually playing quite a few of those different games, and I'm actually doing... I'm currently um, playing the original Street Fighter again, and I'm actually doing really, really well. Uh, I think I'm almost to Sagat, who is the final boss in the original Street Fighter game. Um, you know, if you're a Street Fighter fan, you know that Ryu actually gave Sagat that scar on his chest with a dragon punch, uh, can And this, according to the uh, story of the Street Fighter games, this first game is where that happened. So, yeah. Um... Anyway, that's really about it as far as news and gameplay, so let's get into what we're here for today, and that is the N64 Double D add-on system. So. I completely forgot to get into sales and deals, so let's do that really quickly before we get into today's topic. So, 
there is a really big Ubisoft sale going on until the 1st of June at 11.59 p.m. So that includes Assassin's Creed games, uh, the South Park games, uh, Valiant Hearts, Just Dance, Uno, uh, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, Child of Light, um, a bunch of other, like, sport, like, uh, game show type stuff like Trivial Pursuit and Family Feud. Um, there's a fishing game, Monopoly, Starlink, Battle for Atlas, uh, Jeopardy, yeah, a bunch of Assassin's Creed games, and uh, Scott Pilgrim. We've got Immortals Phoenix Rising. So, uh, let's see what else we got here. There is a uh, Anna Peruna sale. Um, I'm not sure exactly if I pronounce that right or not, but that's uh, games like Telling Lies, which I recommend. I've played that. Um, I Am Dead, that sounds ominous, uh, Gone Home, Ashen, Florence, uh, Donut Country, Kentucky Route Zero, uh, Goroga, I think is how you pronounce that, um, and also there is a sale going on on the Subnautica games uh, until 526 at 1159, so... If they are uh, apparently turning one on one year old on the Switch, so uh, celebrate the one year anniversary of the release of these two with a special prom promotional price. So both of those games are half off right now. So um, they are fifteen dollars as opposed to thirty. So Subnautica and Subnautica Below Zero, both of those I would recommend. Um, they're not necessarily my type of game i've tried but um it's hard for me to get into those but i know people who swear by those games so um the anna peruna sale goes on through the 30th i'm sorry i forgot to mention that earlier anyway uh that is it so i uh, sorry i apologize i forgot to do this segment but i wanted to get in get it in so Alright, let's talk about what we are here for today, and that is the N64 Double D. Alright, so let's talk about the Nintendo 64 Double D system. So, I was half correct in thinking that it meant uh, double disc, and actually stands for disc drive. And it was originally the dynamic drive, apparently. And it's something that works alongside the Nintendo 64 system through an extension port on the underside of the N64. And it allowed the N64 to use a 64 megabyte magneto optimal or optical disk for expanded storage. So it had been announced before the launch launch of the N64, but I guess it was only seen in Japan, and it was released toward the end of the N64's life, and it was scheduled to be released in North America in 2000, but I guess it just it never reached the success that they were looking for with it so it was ultimately scrapped and discontinued 
So it was announced as far back as 1995 at the Nintendo Shoshinkai Game Show event, um, which is now called Nintendo World. And one of the games that was featured was Creator, which was a music and animation program by Software Creations, which apparently is a company name. That's kind of generic sounding, but you know, what can you do? So the same people apparently made Sound Tool for the Nintendo Ultra 64 development kit. So I kind of hinted at it. I think I mentioned this earlier, but before they went with the just they just simply called it Nintendo 64. It was originally called the Ultra 64, and the game that. Um, advertised that it could be implemented into other games as well, being able to replace textures and possibly create new levels and characters. So this, to me, kind of sounds like what the Sega CD or Sega 32X was for the Genesis. Basically, it's a way to kind of give the system a little oomph, you know, a little extra firepower, if you will. So, um, let's see, there was no playable creator available at the Shoshinkai 1995. Um, at E3 in 1997, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto speculated the first games to be released for the system would be Sim City 64, Mario Artist, uh, Pocket Monsters, <laughs> which we know uh, wasn't released on a, like a, you know, main console until the Switch, uh, but like, apparently it was originally going to be on the Nintendo 64, uh, which is really interesting. Um, also, Earthbound 64, which we know never really saw the light of day, but the 64 Double D was delayed until uh, December 1st, 1999. Nintendo had anticipated that its long planned out disk drive peripheral would become a commercial failure, um, unfortunately, later on. <laughs> Apparently my cat wants to make an appearance again. I guess I should clarify something. When I was referring to Pokemon not having a main console game until the Switch, I was kind of, I meant the, you know, the main generational games. I know they did have peripheral games on consoles as far back as the N64, like Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Coliseum, things like that. Yeah, I, I meant like the mainline games. So, like That's kind of what I assumed that this article was referring to when it just said Pocket Monsters. I was assuming that it was, it meant like kind of a main console version of their games. Um, who knows? I, I don't really know what this, uh, what Shigeru Miyamoto meant when he made that comment. So, let's talk about what exactly this is. So, the 64DD was a 32-bit coprocessor, and it helped it read magnetic optical disks and to transfer the data to the main console. So it was intended to be Nintendo's answer to the cheaper to produce CDs that were used for the Sony PlayStation. 
So Sony's CD storage could approximately hold 650 megabytes of information. So this is the PS1. Of course, the later incarnations would be bigger. So compared to, um, yeah, uh, 650 megabytes compared to Nintendo 64's 4 to 64 megabit cartridges. So the 64DD also had a built-in memory expansion pack like the accessory for a controller. So the new medium for the 64DD was rewritable and had a storage capacity of 64 megabytes. The games on the normal N64 cartridge could hook up with the Double D's expansions for extra levels, mini games, even saving uh, personal data. So you didn't have to have, you know, the. I think that was it. The N64 had the um, save uh, things that you plugged into the bottom of the controller. So this had the ability to store it directly, uh, as opposed to having. Save cartridges, you know, save cards. Um, so the drive kind of works similarly to a zip drive, and it has enhanced audio library for games. So that was another thing. Um, N64 didn't have digital, um, tech, you know, digital information like this the PlayStation did with the discs. So the main N64 deck uses RCP and NEC. VR4300 to process its data uh, from the top of the cartridge slot to the I.O. devices. To hook up the n 64 D, it needed an extra 4 megabytes of RAM and a total of, for a total of 8. Like nearly all disc-based consoles, the 64DD could, could boot up without a cartridge on the top of the deck because it had a boot menu. You know, kind of like how if you, you know, you pop the PlayStation open, and it has a, uh, and I think the uh, original Xbox had this too, where you don't have to insert a disc for there to be a menu when you turn the, the console on. Also, the 64DD had its own development kit that worked in conjunction with the N64 development kit. So, um, some other things that this had, it also included a modem for connecting to the network. So, I did the um, episode on the, uh, sorry, the Super Nintendo Broadcast Satellite System. Well, there also was a system like that for the N64DD. It was called RandNet. So, yeah, N60, there, I'm sorry, the Super Nintendo had Satellaview. This was the N64 version of that. And it launched in December of 1999 and was also known as LandNet. The service allowed games to, gamers rather, to compete against each other in online play. So, this was probably the first time Nintendo had any type of online play or online multiplayer. So there were some unreleased games that they could play on this. They could surf the internet, listen to music. So the RAN that started kit came with it, came packaged with the 64DD machines and included everything they needed to access the service. And there was a subscription service, which was 2,500 yen per month, which was equivalent to about 
$27.97 in US dollars. Um, give me one second. I could uh, find out what that is in euros or uh, pounds. So that was $21.61. Of course, that was in today's US dollar or in uh, British pounds. I'm not sure what that would be back in 1999. But regardless, that is what it would be in today's pounds, 2161. So um, this had a modem. So the Nexus developed a software modem that was housed on a special cartridge that plugs into the N64 slot. So this had a port plug and also included a modular uh, cable which connects to the network. So it also had a four megabyte expansion pack. I think I mentioned that earlier. So the expansion pack was also later bundled with Donkey Kong 64 worldwide, um, but it was also you could also buy it separately. So there was also a writable 64 megabyte disk drive, which um, made network use and data saving possible. And then it also had the RAM net. So there were actually nine games that. Uh, were made specifically for this. There was an F-Zero-X expansion kit. There is a Japan Pro Golf Tour 64. There's Doshin the Knight and there's also a sequel Doshin the Knight Rescue from the Front Rescue from the Front by the Toddlers that Tinkle at <laughs> the Warch Meeting Hall. What the hell is that? do Toshin Knight Rescue the Front by the Toddlers that Tinkle at the Large Meeting Hall. I need to look this game up, because that can't be real. <laughs> There's also um, some Mario Artist games. There were, let's see, four of those. There was a, a communication kit, Paint Studio, Polygon Studio, and Talent Studio. And then, of course, as... Uh, Mr. Miyamoto predicted uh, SimCity 64 was released for this. Um, there was also a list of games that they had proposed that never made it. Uh, or, I guess, uh, didn't actually come to play. Um, there was Final Fantasy... Apparently, they had proposed Final Fantasy 7 for for this, but of course that became a PlayStation game, um, Dragon Warrior 7, um, which of, of course also ended up on the PlayStation. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie 2, um, released in as uh, Banjo-Tooie. So I guess a lot of these games, um, some games never saw the light of day, but there were games that they had uh, developed for this or proposed to be on this, but I guess it just never happened. Um, there was Mother 3, uh, which was going to be Earthbound 64, uh, but that ended up on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, there was uh, Pokemon 64. Yeah, what, so there was going to be a 64-bit uh, mainline Pokemon game that never saw the light of day. Uh, Pokemon Stadium and uh, Pokemon Stadium 2 were going to be a part of this. Of course, they ended up just uh, being on the N64. Uh, Resident Evil Zero was later on the GameCube. Uh, Super Mario 64 2 
Um, also a Super Mario RPG 2. Uh, those never saw the light of day. Um, let's see, Ultra Donkey Kong, which was released as Donkey Kong 64. There is a uh, master quest for Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Um, there, Zelda Gaiden, which became Majora's Mask. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting looking at this list and just seeing what could have been. Uh, Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards, um, which just became a just became Kirby 64 of the Master Shards which is coming to the Switch. Uh, Captain Commando that's a Sega game I guess they were going to make a version of that for the N64 so there's a lot more on this list here There's a, there was a Final Fight game that was going to be released Final Doom so yeah um, Famicom Classics they were going to release an NES bundle on this <clears throat> so, there's a lot of games that I haven't mentioned here that I've never even heard of. So, um, yeah, I guess that uh, the service just, I, it never reached the popularity that they wanted. So, ultimately, it was discontinued and never was released outside of Japan. So... It's kind of a shame. I would have loved to have seen this and seen what they could have done with it. And, you know, I would have loved to have seen a lot of these games released. Can you imagine a mainline Pokemon game on the N64? Um, can you imagine playing Final Fantasy VII on the N64? That would have been really interesting. So, yeah, it's a shame. Um, anyway, yeah, that really is it as far as the N64 Double D. It's just another example. Uh, I mean, I it was released in Japan, but I would have, you know, had this really caught on, who knows what could have happened. So, the, um, the article that I'm reading here said that it may be it may have been seen as the n64 equivalent to the atari jaguar cd both are disc-based add-ons to the console see i was comparing it to the sega cd or sega uh, 32x but uh, this article is comparing it to the atari jaguar so uh, both were announced in weeks surrounding the launch of their base consoles in both cases both con um, the, the base console did not perform well enough in the market as their publishers um, i don't think that's quite true i think the n64 console did perform as well as as their publishers in the market um Oh, it had hoped, so it didn't perform as well as it had hoped. I think the base console did perform as well as it hoped. I don't know. Um, and both add-ons were ultimately released for one of two reasons. To keep the, pr the promise of their release to the gamers, and to recoup some of the money spent on the console's development. Uh, because of this, both consoles were released in limited numbers and with little marketing made available only in the publisher's home country um so i mean i guess the comparison could be made um i know very little about the atari jaguar um other than the angry video game nerd video on it so um both 
consoles were released with an unusually high amount of pack-in material. So yeah, just so you can connect to the internet with it, I guess. Um, the concept of downloading information was earlier seen in the Famicom modem. So even the Famicom had, um, yeah, I guess the, um, yeah. Anyway, um, that really is it as far as this episode goes. Um, I'd like to thank the Hive as always for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find the show at NintendoVP, and you can find my personal page at engold08. So uh, you can also find KDB, his handles, in the show notes. So anyway, that is it. So as always, stay tuned for more Nintendo.